the unknown. Mystery. Space. Have fun. Adventure. Suspense. Fantasy. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror. Welcome to journey number 174 of the Journey Into podcast, featuring The Six Shooter, starring Jimmy Stewart, running an episode which I have titled Father and Son. I'm your guide in this journey, Marshall Latham, coming to you from base camp in the Treasure Valley. Hey everybody, I'm back this month with another old-time radio show for you. And I put this up for a poll on Patreon, and I asked the patrons there, which show, which old-time radio show should I feature on this month? And I gave them four options, and each option was kind of out of my normal repertoire, shows that I haven't done on my program, and are a little bit out of what I usually put on here. So their first option was The Six Shooter, uh, starring Jimmy Stewart, and... The other options were uh, the George Burns and Gracie Allen show, uh, which was a situational comedy featuring George Burns and Gracie Allen in all their glory. And then uh, the other ones that I found for this was there's a old-time radio soap opera called One Man's Family. And it's actually the longest-running, uninterrupted, dramatic serial in the history of American radio. And it ran from 1932 to 1959. Um, so that's quite a ways, quite a long run for that soap opera on the radio. Um, and then I found, I don't know, I guess you'd call it a juvenile adventure series titled Mark Trail. And it's based off the comic strip of Mark Trail. And it, it ran from 1950 to 1952. I do have more to say about the Mark Trail uh, program, but I'll talk about that after this show. And so those were the options that I gave my Patreon members, and they chose the six shooter mainly because of Jimmy Stewart, and that's the reason I was attracted to it as well because I love Jimmy Stewart, and I don't think there's a bad <laughs> Jimmy Stewart thing that I've seen or heard. And so yeah, I'm excited that they chose the six shooter, but I was kind of interested in each of these other shows as well. Of course, I love George Burns and uh, Gracie Allen. That that They would always be... And there was some interest in that. It received votes, uh, but not enough. And then even the people that chose the six-shooter said, I'm kind of interested in what Burns and, and Allen will do, but I can't vote against Jimmy Stewart. So um, there's a chance that Burns and Allen will be back here at some point. Uh, one man's family didn't receive any votes. <laughs> And uh, Mark Trail uh, did get some interest. So, but Six Shooter was hands down the winner in that poll. And so that's what we're presenting to you today. I said that I've titled the episode of The Six Shooter 
that I'm presenting to you today, Father and Son, because the actual title of it is called Audition Program. So it's the first episode of this series, and I've listened to a lot of episodes of this. I, I'm going to listen to the whole, there's 39 episodes that were produced. It only lasted one season, uh, starting in 1950 and ending in 1952. It ran on Sunday nights. And it's great. I really, I've, I've listened to several of the episodes and I thought, well, I could listen to several and pick the one I like best there. It's kind of hard to make that choice because there's a lot of them that are really good. But I think this first program, this audition program really does introduce the character as it's supposed to of Brit Ponzit, who's this older cowboy gunslinger. He has a reputation, um, but he's a little bit different than what you might expect from uh, somebody in the wild west. And of course, Jimmy Stewart brings that character out. And so, but I didn't want to put the title of Audition Pro. It's kind of like nowadays on a TV show, the first episode will be called Pilot because it's the pilot episode that sold the show to the network or whatever. But I I do hope you enjoy it. Uh, It was created by uh, Frank Burt, I think with Jimmy Stewart. And uh, he also, Frank Burt also wrote many of the episodes. So let me pull out the old Wamper Dime radio tuner here and come with me as we journey into the last days of the Old West. Yeah, you're looking... Fairly close up at a beautiful Colt Frontier six-shooter in 4440. This thing was made in 1887. Oh, man. What a piece of history. We thought maybe we'd give you a close-up with this thing. Let's, uh, since it's October, I think I'll start with that pumpkin. I wonder if it's going to be smoky. <laughs> I think that answered that. Must be black powder. I've been riding to meet up with a man named Dutch Henry. Whiskey, will you? Hoping to run into him here in Tascosa. Wouldn't happen to know him. I might. How long do you know him? Long enough to tell you how he got that little scar above his right eye. I gave it to him when he was 10. Now you want to give him another? Where is he? Telling you that Hallie's my girl. I'm building that brand new room and porch for her for when we get married. Well, Tom, I guess everybody pretty much takes that for granted. Everybody except Hallie. Maybe you. Now, that's a damn lie, and you know it. Well, then, why did she come to me back there fretting herself sick because you were going to Get yourself killed facing up to Liberty Valance. I never told her that. Well, Peabody did. I think you're bluffing. I'm not bluffing about anything. James Stewart as the six-shooter. 
man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. The handle unmarked. But the gun has killed and the man has killed. People call them both the six-shooter. Presenting one of the screen's favorite stars, Mr. James Stewart, as the six-shooter. Based on the timeless legend of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who brought single-handed justice to the Western territories. I had figured on going through Clay City. It was an hour out of my way, and I was already a day late to the Jefferson Ranch where I'd signed on for the roundup, but when Scar started limping from a loose shoe, didn't have no choice. We had to head for the nearest blacksmith shop, so we turned north. Howdy, mister. What's trouble? Uh, The horse losing a shoe. Well, let's have a look. All right, raise it up, fella. Come on, come on, boy. Yeah. It's split, mister. He needs a new one. Okay, boy. Can you take care of it? Oh, sure. Bring him over here. Hey, uh, what happened to Red? Fella used to own this shop. Went to Nevada chasing silver. I bought him out. Oh, I... Yeah, you, you don't look very much like a blacksmith. Huh? Oh, I'm stronger than I look. Heavier, too. What do you think I weigh, mister? Oh, I don't know. Go on, go on. Take a guess. 120? 30? Mm, well, no more than that. You a betting man, mister? Well, sometimes. Well, I say I weigh over 130. If I don't, you get the new shoe for nothing. If I do, you pay me double. What do you say? Uh, you got a set of scales? Don't need no scales. What do you say, mister? Is it a bet? <laughs> well, don't seem to be no way of proving it. Oh, all you got to do is lift me up. Now, you look like a man who can judge weight. What do you say? <laughs> okay, all right. It's a bet. All right, mister. Just heist me. If you don't think I weigh more than 130, the shoe is free. <laughs> all right. I, I never tried to judge a man's weight before, but all right. There, there we go. <laughs> well? Oh, I'll be dull. I'm packed solid, mister. Real solid. Now, you're packed tighter than a steer. Hey, you must weigh 150 pounds. Yeah, you see? You see? What did I tell you? 158. The horseshoe's gonna cost you money, mister, but you ain't the only one. Ever since I bought the shop, there ain't been a stranger come through Clay City but what he paid double for his first horseshoe. (laughs) He ain't sore, mister. No, no, that was a fair bet. Sure it was. I told you I was heavier than I looked. That's what folks call me, Heavy Norton. My real name's George, but everybody calls me Heavy. What's your name, mister? Ponsett. Britt Ponsett. Fella, they call the Six Shooter? Well, doggone it. I've heard about you, mister. I've sure heard about you. <laughs> oh, would have recognized you if I'd have noticed your gun. Sure is fancy, ain't it? Hey, do you mind uh, showing it to me? No, no. Here, catch. <laughs> Real fancy. Just like Sheriff Schofield said. He says he's seen you fire six shots with it while Whitey Jackson was getting off his first bullet that time down at Eagle. Well, the sheriff kind of likes to build up a story. Oh, he swears it's the truth. Here's your gun, Mr. Ponsett. Thanks. Sure, sure. You was mighty quick in getting into Clay City. Uh, How'd you hear about it so fast? Mm, Why, to hear about what? 
a holdup at the Fargo station last night. Ain't that why you come? Nope. No. I was headed past town. I turned off because Scar got that loose shoe. Well, now, ain't that a coincidence? Fellow holds up the Fargo office, kills one man, maybe two, gets away at $5,000, and 12 hours later, you ride into town. Well, they got any idea who did it? Nope, not a single solitary one from, from what I hear. Like I say, the deputy agent was dead when they found him. Other fella, Fred Wilmer, a friend of his, got shot up pretty bad. Ain't done no talking yet. Doc says maybe he never will. Does Sheriff Schofield take out a posse? Nope, ain't nobody to go. Most of the men signed up for the Jefferson Roundup. Left town day before yesterday. Here the Jefferson Ranch is paying good money this year. Yeah, yeah. You uh, seen the sheriff this morning? No, not lately. It might be over to his office. Uh, I think I'll walk down that way while you're fixing up Scar. Sure, sure, Mr. Ponsett. That's a darn good idea. Sheriff Schofield will be real glad to see you. Well, the doors this side of the sheriff's office, I saw the Wells Fargo sign nailed up next to a window. The place wasn't locked, so I went inside. One of the chairs was upset, and there was some damp stains on the floor. The cast iron safe against the wall was standing wide open, so I kicked it shut. Went out in the back stoop. There was some more blood on the steps, and then just red mud. Right at the edge, I saw the hoof prints. They trailed off along the side of the creek. Whoever made them headed west. The horse had been wearing one shoe different from the other three. A, a, a sharp rock must have cut into it sometime or another. Not enough to split it, you understand. Just enough so that the print left a jagged line, like, so like fancy handwriting. Find something, Britt? Hmm? Oh, oh, hello, Sheriff. Ah, I was heading your way. Yeah, I just saw Heavy. He told me you was in town. Did you find something? I don't know. I don't know. You see these hoof prints? Yeah. Uh-huh. Don't mean nothing. Trail gives out a mile or so down a creek at Fork. Uh-huh. Has Clay City had any other trouble lately, Ed? No, not a bit. I guess any town's got to expect to hold up once in a while, though. No, I heard it was a little more than that. Yeah, that's right. Fred Wilmer able to talk yet? Afraid not. Doc said he'd let me know first thing he'd come around. Took him out to his ranch. You've been out there to see him since last time? Wasn't no reason. Well, it might be a good idea to be there, you know, just in case. You thought maybe I ought to stick in town. Oh, I don't think anything more is going to happen here, Ed. I'll get Scar. I'll meet you out at Fred's place. Huh? I can handle this alone, Britt. Oh, sure, sure. I'll just offer to keep you company, Ed. I'll meet you there. He's all fixed up, Mr. Ponsett. Tied him up around the side so he'd be in the shade. Thanks, Harry. Thank uh, you. Did you find uh, Sheriff Schofield? I-, I told him he was in town. Yeah. You figure out anything? Well, not so far. Oh, you will. Sheriff's a good man. Why, you and him together, you'll get whoever done it. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. You're the only blacksmith round here, ain't you, Heavy? Only one for 40 miles. Uh-huh. You ever see a horse with a shoe that's got one jagged edge, left hind leg? A lot of shoes got jagged edges, Mr. Ponsett. Yeah, but I'll show you what I mean. I ain't much of an artist. Now, here, it it, uh, it kind of looks a little like this. Hmm. Seems to me I seen a shoe like that just the other day. Uh, oh, sure, I remember. Told him he ought to get a new one for it. Ben Schofield, that's who it was, just the other day. 
Ben? Uh, the sheriff's kid. You know him, don't you, Mr. Ponsett? Oh, sure. Sure, I ain't seen Ben in a couple of years. Uh... Oh, you wouldn't recognize him if you did. He just sort of growed up overnight. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he has. the first act of the six-shooter, folks. Hope you're enjoying the show. Before we get on with it, I'd like to tell you a little bit about how I happen to be doing this program. I've uh, been lucky enough to do quite a bit of radio acting before, but I've never had a program of my own. The right thing just didn't seem to come along, at least not until the six-shooter. You see, I've made several stories of this kind for pictures, that is, honest, legitimate stories of the West, and... I hope that this series can offer the same type of enjoyment with the same integrity. We think it's the sort of program the whole family will enjoy, and we think that the character of Britt Ponset typifies some of the greatness that built America. We'd be pleased if you agreed with us. And now, Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring Jimmy Stewart. Sheriff Schofield was sitting on Fred Wilmer's porch swing when I got there. Doc was inside with Fred, so I squatted down on the stoop and waited. About half an hour, the doc came out and told us we could go inside and see Fred. Fred was lying on a cot, breathing hard. White cloth across his chest was stained pink, and his voice sounded like it was full of air. He was... Just sitting in the express office talking Sam and me. Didn't hear the back door open. Must have left it unlocked. Turned around and there he was, holding his gun on. <laughs> you got a look at him, Fred. Handkerchief over his face, Sheriff. I couldn't see nothing. Just the gun. He told Sam to open the safe. There wasn't nothing else he could do. Sure, sure. He took the money, walked over to the door. Yeah. Looked at us for a minute and then shot. Didn't have no reason. He hit Sam in the face and hit me in the chest. He didn't have no reason. Now, <laughs> take it easy, Fred. Take it easy now. It's just like he enjoyed shooting at us. That's how it was like he enjoyed it. Maybe he was scared. Oh, he wasn't scared, Sheriff. He didn't have no reason. Thought he killed us both. Then he started down the steps. I got my hand on the shotgun and let him have it. You hit him? I don't know. Maybe he gave a yell and rode off. Uh, what kind of a fellow was he? He was young, old? I couldn't see his face. Young fellow, I'd say, though. How young? Oh, 17, 18, full grown. Was he tall, short? Medium. About the size of your kid, Ed. <laughs> About that size. Got enough for you, Ed? Yeah, that's enough. You you think you'll get him, Brad? Sure, Fred. Sure. Sure. Come on, Ed. Didn't have no reason to shoot, no reason. Oh. 
wasting our time, Brett. He's got a day's head start. He'd be 40 miles from here. Well, not if he's shot up. Now, you go on if you want to. Well, you're the sheriff. You've got to make the arrest. You ain't never been so particular before. Well, maybe not, but this time I'm particular. Are you coming? We don't even know where to start. Oh, I thought along the creek. That's as good a place as any other. It's a waste of time, Britt. Well, we got time to waste. Come on, let's go. We picked up the trail along the creek and headed west. It wasn't hard to follow, and every once in a while we'd see a few drops of blood spattered against the shrub brush. About ten minutes later, we came to a fork where Ed had said the trail gave out. Scar stuck his nose down into the water, and I looked around. The trail didn't give out. It turned south. I nodded in that direction. Ed didn't say a thing. Just followed. At about five o'clock, we stopped to eat. Ed built a fire, and I opened up a couple of cans of beans I had in my roll. Oh, you ain't hungry, Ed? It's early for supper. Yeah, yeah. Ed, I talked to Heavy before I went out to Fred's place. I asked him who had a horse that would leave a mark like the one we've been following. So? And he said Ben did. Your son, Ben. I thought you ought to know that. A lot of horseshoes leave the same kind of mark. Fred said it was a young fellow. It wasn't Ben. Where is he, Ed? Jefferson's Ranch, working on a roundup. He left Clay City the day before yesterday. Couldn't be Ben. There's a lot of wild youngsters in these parts, but Ben's a good boy. Couldn't be him. You sure? That mark don't mean nothing. Plenty of horseshoes leave the same kind of mark. You know that, Britt. You had enough to eat? Yeah. Come on, let's go. but enough so you can follow the trail. For about three miles, there wasn't no blood. He must have wrapped something around the wound. Wrapped it real tight. And then we found the bandage. A piece of shirt tail sopped through. For the next mile, he'd been bleeding a lot, worse than ever. He was hit pretty bad. Looks like it. He couldn't have gone much further because... I... Oh. oh, let's go. Head. Yeah. Hold on. Over there in the gully, that cabin. Yeah. Whose is it? Used to belong to Jake Levant. Died a couple of years ago. Ain't nobody living there now. There's somebody living there. Huh? Out and back. There's a pony. Better go ahead on foot. Red? Yeah? We're gonna take him alive, ain't we? If we can. We've got to take him alive, Britt. It's been. I don't know, Britt. Not for sure. It could be Ben? It could be. Where have you been the last couple of days? I don't know that neither. Had an argument with him two nights ago. He needed some money. He'd been playing poker and lost a lot. Well, Five thousand is a lot. I wouldn't give him nothing. Got mad, said he'd get it, said he'd get it himself. And I hit him hard across the face. I hit him twice. 
He started to hit me back. Then he walked out of the house. I ain't seen him since. I wish he had hit me back. Now, we got to get across that clearing, Ed. Over to that clump of trees. He may see us. Yeah, we'll have to take that chance. You ready? Yeah. trees for a couple of minutes. Okay. And then we'll rush him. Ain't gonna be easy to take him, Ed. Now that he's spotted us. You ain't gonna kill him, Brett. I ain't gonna let him kill me. It ain't his fault, Brett. It's mine. You know that ain't so. No, it's the truth. It's my fault. You didn't raise him to be a killer, Ed. Maybe I did, Brett. I was the sheriff, seeing that everybody kept close to the line, seeing that everybody lived honest, especially Ben. I broke him, Brett. Broke him like you break a wild horse or try to take all the fight out of him fast. You know what happens when you do that to a horse? He gets tame, but the fight still learns. Someday he turns wild again. I'll rush him alone, Ed. No. Stay here, Brick. Oh, Sam Norton's dead. Maybe Fred Miller, too. Killing Ben won't bring him back. He's my son, Brick, my only son. You don't have no kids. You don't know. I'm sorry, Ed. No, we're going back to town. Not without him. We're going back. Now, you can outdraw me, Brett, but I'll still have time to get a shot off. I'll try to get him alive, Ed. I'll try. No, don't turn your back on me, Brett. Don't be a fool. Don't make me do it, Brett. I wasn't being brave. I knew he wouldn't shoot. A man like Ed Schofield just don't change overnight. You can figure a man like Ed. That's what I thought, anyway. But I hadn't figured what would happen next. I haven't figured on him running out into the clearing, standing there in the moonlight, gray against the black sky. Ben! It's me, Ben! You can't! Can you hear me, Ben? Brett Ponson's coming after you! Throw out your gun, Ben! Brett Ponson's coming! Now listen to me, Ben! It's your Ben! I saw him go down, real slow, like his legs had buckled under him. I couldn't tell how bad he'd been hit. He rolled down a gully out of, out of range, and I crawled forward. I pushed myself past a couple of rocks and head toward the back door. The kid was in the kitchen. I couldn't see him, but I could hear him moving around, going from window to window, looking out, waiting for me. I slid past another rock. I could run for the door or wait. The kid made up my mind for me. I slipped down fast, and the bullets nicked the rocks. The kid had good hearing. He knew I was right there. I took out my gun and waited. I knew he'd get nervous first. Young fellows always do. I wasn't so young. I could wait. It was more than five minutes before the door started opening. His pony knew I was coming, too. He started for the horse. I aimed at his leg. For a second, he stopped moving and just hung in midair like a hawk. And he sprawled forward out of sight behind a log. I raised up a little and hunched myself along the side of the cabin. Everything was quiet now. Even his pony. The moon went behind a thick cloud and I came around the corner of the cabin. Suddenly, the moon came out again just in time for me to see his forty-five. Just in time to see him coming up over the top of the log. 
His revolver slipped out of his fingers, and I saw him trying to reach for it again. He couldn't make it. I stood up and walked over to the log. The kid was lying face down, gasping for breath, a little short gasps. He pulled himself up into the flat of his hands, and then he passed out. I turned him over with my foot, and I looked at his face. Where'd he get you? In the shoulder. I'm gonna be all right. Britt, is he... Did you have to... He ain't dead. Thanks. I guess he didn't hear me calling to him. He didn't know who I was. Ed. What? Ed, it ain't Ben. What? It ain't Ben, Ed. You... You sure, Britt? Yeah, yeah, this kid's got red hair. There ain't no reason to lie to me, Britt. I ain't shot up bad. I ain't lying. I ain't lying. I knew it wasn't Ben while I was going up after him. I knew it. What are you talking about? Hey, just come to me. A man don't change overnight. Neither does a boy. Well, if it ain't Ben... It... Uh, lots of tough kids in these parts. You said so yourself. Where do you suppose Ben is? Where you said, Jefferson Ranch, working in the roundup. They pay good. No. A boy don't change overnight, Ed. <laughs> you able to ride back to town? Yeah, sure. I may have to take it a little slow. I'll get the kid. Britt. Yeah? You know something, Britt? I couldn't believe it was Ben neither. Not when he shot me. I just couldn't believe it. You know that, Britt. I know it, Ed. I know it. was your first meeting with Britt Ponset. I hope you'd like to meet him again every week. And I also hope you'll try our product. It's something I use myself and it's never let me down. I don't think it'd let you down either. Maybe I'm not much of a salesman, but this product I don't think needs a lot of selling. As far as I'm concerned, it sells itself. So I'd appreciate it if you'd buy it this week and give it a try. Let me know how you like it. So long, folks. We'll be seeing you. So there you go. There's The Six Shooter, starring Jimmy Stewart, in his audition program. <laughs> the first episode ever of The Six Shooter. Now, I titled it Father and Sons, and, and I'm just going to stick with that. Maybe I should have said Sins of the Father or something like that. Um, Might have been more appropriate or something like that. But I hope you enjoyed that inaugural episode of The Six Shooter. Like I said earlier, uh, I have listened to many of these, probably a dozen or so, and they're all really good. And they're all, you know, different levels of action, different levels of things going on. It's not the same thing every week. But the character of Britt Ponsett is very consistent. 
And, you know, to me, it's just a mirror image of Jimmy Stewart. You know, <laughs> is it acting or is he just being himself? Uh, no, there's, there's definitely acting in there. Um, what this program is known for and something that I've also noticed as, as I've listened to several of these episodes is when the action starts, you know, there's not high volume noise and, and, you know, I mean, there's gunshots of course, and things like that going on, but Jimmy Stewart's narration goes down to a whisper. He's talking about sneaking up on the guy and what's happening. And he sees something from the corner of his eye and he, he just whispers the action scenes and which I think makes it, you know, really more intimate, maybe more suspenseful. There's more tension in the scene. And uh, so that was genius. I don't know if, if Jimmy Stewart, I would assume that G Jimmy Stewart came up with that himself. He didn't write the episodes necessarily, but he probably came up with that style. And yeah, I, I, so I, I think this is great. I'm going to continue to listen to all these episodes and I'll, I'll definitely be playing more of these on the podcast now and again. So hopefully you're, you're looking forward to more of the six shooter. Another thing I like about this series is that the character isn't out looking for action. You know, he's not a lawman. He's not a bounty hunter or anything like that. You know, he doesn't have anything driving the action. He just kind of wanders around from place to place looking for work. And he just gets into these circumstances. He knows everybody. He's been around a long time. He has friends in, in every city he goes to. And it's just kind of neat, you know, that, that he's, he's got the skills of this, of the six shooter, but he's also got the wisdom and the know-how and the, just the stick-to-itiveness, I guess, of what it, what it means to be a cowboy and doing the right thing. You know, he's always looking to do the right thing. He's not out looking to kill people, but if he has to, he, he will. And yeah, it's just kind of a neat, neat character and a neat series. Jimmy Stewart's Westerns are kind of my weakness in his movies. You know, of course, I've seen every Hitchcock movie he's done. I've seen a lot of his war movies and, and regular movies, but I haven't seen too many Westerns with him. And I've seen Winchester 73 and I've seen Who Shot Liberty Valance. And uh, there's another one out there. I just can't think of the name of it um, that I've seen. But I know he's done a lot, especially, you know, in the 50s when Westerns were the most popular and, you know, he holds his own against John Wayne and, and all these other old cowboys, but he's from that era. You know, he's from that golden age of Western, but I definitely need to seek more of those out and just enjoy watching Jimmy Stewart or listening to him. You know, he, he gets what audio is all about. He, <laughs> like I said, I don't think I've seen a bad, performance out of Jimmy Stewart and maybe that's just bias and maybe that's just but he just kind of seems to have this natural ability to he seems natural he seems real he seems like a real person he doesn't just seem like a this actor or whatever you know there, there's those actors that that can be in the action movies or they can be in the the big movies with a wink and a smile and you enjoy those movies but you can tell they're actors. They aren't in the scene kind of thing. If you know what I'm talking about, where every time I see Jimmy Stewart, I feel like, yeah, that's, that's Jimmy Stewart. He's playing a character and he, he does it in a realistic way. 
It doesn't seem out of character. It doesn't seem unreal. It's just the way things are, you know? So I know this has just been been a big gush fest for uh, Jimmy Stewart, but in my opinion, he deserves it. I have listened to a few other Western old-time radio shows, and I haven't enjoyed them as much as this one. But then again, I haven't listened to very many, so um, I'll have to try to expand my knowledge of radio westerns. I mentioned in the intro that I had more to say about the Mark Trail program, and that's because I've been invited to be a guest host on an old-time radio podcast called OTR Essentials, and I've mentioned it here before. Dave Robison joined the podcast several months back, and I've been listening to it ever since. And I've but I've gone back and listened to all of the episodes before Dave was part of the program, and it's fun. It's good stuff. You know, they they basically do the same thing I'm doing here, uh, but maybe a little bit more formal, where they you know introduce the show that they're going to listen to, and then they play it for us. And then they talk about it afterwards, and they they do some voting on different things. And it's a lot of fun to listen to. And they're very knowledgeable guys that, that, you know, have different opinions about old-time radio and things like that. And so, you know, I I sent them an email and said, I really enjoy the show. I haven't, I'm long overdue in telling you that I like it. And if you ever need a guest host, I'm definitely willing to do it. Just, Just let me know. But I said that thinking, you know, months down the road, if somebody can't do the show and they need a guest host, they'll maybe they'll ask me to do it. But like within two days, at least, I got an email from Dave Robson said, hey, Paul, uh, got your email. He said he'd love to have you as a guest host. Why don't you do it in March? And uh, why don't you pick the episode and <laughs> let me know what it is and, and we'll uh, set it up. And so I'm like, holy cow, uh, okay, I can do that. Let's see. And at the time, you know, I had put together this poll for this episode of other shows that I haven't played on my podcast, uh, but would be interested in. And I don't know, I, I really thought that Mark Trail would be fun to talk about with these guys. Um, they've done all kinds of different shows, uh, but they've never done like a, like a juvenile adventure show, you know, like a Superman or a, you know, space patrol or something like that, that was aimed at kids and more of an adventure Saturday morning cartoon, quote unquote, kind of thing. And so that's kind of what this Mark trail program is all about. And so I picked an episode of Mark trail, told him what it was, gave him the link and we're set to record in March sometime for that. So I'll definitely let you guys know that aside from the old time radio shows that I play here, on the Journey Into podcast, I'm going to be a guest host over at the OTR Essentials podcast. And I'll get you the links and put it on my site and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully you're, you look forward to that as well. And with that news, I guess that's it's probably time for me to go uh, for this time around. But yeah, I, I appreciate all of my listeners. I'd love to hear from you and see what you think of these episodes If you have any suggestions for old-time radio shows you'd like me to play, let me know. Uh, You can reach me at journeyintopodcast at gmail.com. I do have a voicemail line, if you're so inclined. You can call 77JINTO107. And if you feel like supporting the show, 
uh, head on over to patreon.com slash journey into and donate to the show. Uh, you can do it for as little as $1 a month. I do have some other tiers where I provide more stuff for you to listen to, but you get the shows earlier. You get extra stuff that, that only shows up on Patreon and I'd love to have you over there. So go check it out. And I'll be back here in a month or so with another old time radio journey along with other things along the way. But until next time, stay safe out there and journey on. The Journey Into podcast is produced under Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means that you are encouraged to share this podcast with as many people as you would like. Uh, but please don't change it or sell it and let people know where you got it from. <laughs>